You're listening to Toronto's number one real estate podcast, powered by Watson Estates. The most successful local real estate investing starts right here, right now. Here's your host, broker, investor, and social media influencer, Bradley Watson. Good morning, investors. Bradley here from Watson Estates. I know I caught you with the title, right? Like we're seeing price declines here in Toronto. Well, what exactly is the story with home prices according to the Canadian Real Estate Association? We're going to talk about counterpoints on what that looks like and what you can expect for the value of your home. Then we're going to discuss briefly luxury real estate market. Are they holding up? Maybe we don't hear about them as often, but I'm curious to hear how are the luxury homes in our city doing and why are the emergency order extensions shrinking? They were two weeks, then they came down, you know, 12 days. Now we're down to a week. What is going on and what does it look like for the reopening of our city? Thank you for joining us here every morning. We are number one on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts for Toronto Real Estate. And we're having a whole bunch of fun, you know, we as investors, we want to know what's going on in our city. So we're trying to keep a handle on things and find where they're good buying opportunities coming up, especially with COVID here. Everybody's looking for a deal, but unfortunately, a lot of people don't know where to find them. So that's what we're trying to cover. And this morning, before we get into the hot topics of real estate, did you guys see the CBC News article of the gentleman that tried to build a pirate ship? In fact, he didn't try. He did. (laughs) He built a big old fat pirate ship in his backyard, and the neighbor complained to the city. There was actually a pool built into it. It's for his kids, and it looked awesome. (laughs) So I was just trying to think of some clever jokes about pirates this morning. And, you know, have you guys ever heard of any good ones? Because neither have I. (laughs) That was a terrible I. Neither have I. I kind of feel bad for these guys, right? He worked so hard to put this thing together for his kids. Like the closest thing I'll ever get to pirates is that one time I was changing my newborn outside and I got some poop on my deck. All right, here we go. Are you ready, kids? (laughs) I can't hear you. Let's do it. Let's get into Toronto real estate. Let's talk about what's going on. And I love looking at the overall news, right? We like to track various articles because if you were to grab either one of these two articles, you would be completely split and confused as to what's going on, but it's only when you put the two stories together that it makes sense. So we're going to start off with the first one that caught you with the title. comes from betterdwelling.com. Only three real estate markets saw price declines, including Toronto and Vancouver. That was according to the Canadian Real Estate Association. So let's hear what they got to say. Stay tuned, guys. If you just hear this article, you're going to miss the fun of it. (laughs) It's going to get better. Here we go. Canadian real estate buyers haven't been slowed down. The cheap cash may be fueling a new rally, at least for now. Canadian Real Estate Association data shows the seasonal adjusted price of typical benchmark home made big increases in June. So check this out. (laughs) Incredible stat. Price increases over the past year represents almost 90% of the three-year gains. So across the country, We have seen 90% of the growth we've seen in the last three years has all happened in the last year. That is incredible. With COVID, incredible. The seasonally adjusted benchmark price for a home reached $623,000 in June, up half a percent from the previous month. Over the past 12 months, prices are up 5.65. And you might be thinking, ah, 5.65, that doesn't sound like a lot. But when you compare it against the three-year, the three-year is 6.36. So that's actually 88% of all growth in the last three years have happened in the last year across the country. Incredible. 
Now, they obviously dive in and they look at some specific cities. They say the big winner, according to benchmark prices, is Hamilton, where they made an increase of 2.26% in a month. In one single month, Quebec City did pretty good at one point or 2.25. We also see Winnipeg at 1.87. And Quebec City's, they say, is most notable because the monthly increase this past month was actually bigger than the 12 month increase. <laughs> so we got some freaky business going on in our marketplace. Some markets are walking the plank, right? And according to this article, that includes Toronto. Toronto was the third market after Calgary and Vancouver with a benchmark price going down 0.18% from a month before. In other words, we got prices coming down. Not huge drops and certainly not movements the size of the gains, but three declines nonetheless, talking about Calgary, Vancouver, and Toronto. And this is the way you sell the papers. Toronto included in a list of properties that have lost value when we look at the prices. Drives me absolutely bonkers. <laughs> They, they finish it off here saying over the past year, prices have moved so quickly, they dwarf the movement of the two years prior. Large markets that have recently outperformed national price movements like Toronto and Vancouver, however, are making slower gains, actually rolling back a little last month. Like it really paints a picture of Toronto is the worst market. And not only that, Toronto and Vancouver, these are the places you don't want to be because, you know, they've seen such big price growth over the last few years and the rest of the country is just catching up, right? We're catching up this year. They're taking an opportunity during COVID. People love our country. They love our place. They just, they don't love Toronto as much. <laughs> but here is what really explains why we're seeing this article is the key word that I used in this. And some of you savvy investors have been following this for a while is the word benchmark, benchmark prices. <laughs> They're not better. Dwelling is not tracking average prices anymore because the Canadian real estate association, they did publish average prices. This article is only talking about benchmark prices. What a good way to sell papers. What a good way to put yourself at the top of the newsfeed this morning. But this is done, the way a benchmark prices is done is by housing type. And not all housing types are down, right? In fact, in the majority of the housing types here in Toronto, we have had double digit increases in price, right? It's condos that are being hardest hit, right? And townhomes aren't doing amazing in some areas too. So as a net, if you look at benchmark prices, generally we're kind of, okay, we're kind of down, but that's not, not all things are created equal. So if we take the average price as a Toronto stories article did analyzing the exact same information from the Canadian real estate association, same publication from Korea, but a completely different story. Listen to this title. Nine Ontario regions saw annual average home prices rise over $100,000 in June. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> Hang on a second. That doesn't, that doesn't seem to line up. Well, maybe it's not Toronto. Well, let's see. As most of the provinces pre pre prepare for stage three, sorry, the province of Ontario on Friday, it's clear that life is slowly starting attempting to return to normal. This is particularly true for the GTA housing market, which saw an impressive, different article, different day, same month, <laughs> an impressive 83.8% month over month increase in activity. So we got crazy activity happening, which nobody expected to happen apparently, except for us, because nobody's, I mean, everyone likes to stay humble. That's fine. I'm not, I'm not humble. <laughs> we've seen this, we've been tracking this and there've been a lot of people who've been following and tracking it too. There's a lot of people that have been mapping it out. Now, 
Historics is a good indication of the future. And when you've seen 50, 60% bounce backs in the number of transactions, you got to expect, I mean, it's going to keep moving, no? And if not, something's got to affect it. Something's got to park that train. But listen to the average house price because that's down, right? Like we just heard that. Average home prices have started to increase both on a national at 6.5 year over year percentage and on a regional level. According to Zucas's new report, the average home price in nine Ontario housing markets rose $100,000. And the top of that list, we're going to go through the full list of the top 10 that we, we make up way more than just this top 10. Like we make up a huge chunk. Topping the list, number one is Oakville. Oakville is up a whopping 17%. (laughs) You guys know if you're following us, yesterday we were talking about this idea of a lot of people moving to the suburbs, out to the burbs, right? In ways that we haven't seen in two decades, statistically. It's incredible. According to the report, we actually have five York region markets that posted six-figure, six-figure, 100,000-plus annual average price growth, but double-digit rates as well increasing. So as a percentage, double-digit rates. Although the average home price is substantially rose substantially in the York region markets, Zucasa says sales in June have yet to catch up. So in areas like Richmond Hill, for example, they still have large gaps. The transactions are still down 17%. So it's not all equal across the board. We need to look market by market. But let's look at home prices because apparently prices are down. Not a lot, but they're still down in Toronto. Okay, well, let's have a listen. Oakville, up 17%, the highest dollar growth rate. In fact, it's up $177,000 on average. <laughs> that's not a bad that's not a bad month. <laughs> How much are you making at your job, guys? Markham up 170,000. That's a 19% increase year over year. And this is why investing in real estate is an incredible vehicle, guys. This is why if you know the markets, you can make bank Aurora up 16%. Oh man. How good it would have been to invest a month or two ago. <laughs> Mississauga up 19%, up 140,000. Vaughn up 13%, 136,000. Richmond Hill up 12%, 130,000. Newmarket 15%, 117,000. Halton Hills 14%, 111,000. And Toronto, what? Toronto made the list? Up 12% change, average price year over year, up over $100,000, $106,000, guys. Oh, and you said that they're not all from here in the GTA. Well, that's because we got a Niagara region as the top 10. So we're actually the top nine out of 10, <laughs> right? We're at the top nine out of nine. Incredible, guys. Incredible. And to see the bounce back in the home sales, even being anywhere remotely close to where they were, is nothing shy of a miracle. It is incredible. But of course, the way you sell the story changes, right? If you're going to look about benchmark prices, okay, things don't look so hot, right? By housing tech. And this, all this is really saying without going into the details here, because we've done it before, is that each housing segment is acting very differently. And you need to know exactly what your housing segment is doing, because that is alone is what is skewing this benchmark price you're seeing that is confusing the masses. While Toronto saw the lowest price increase out of the top nine regions, it did have the most sales in June with... 2830 20, properties changing hands last month. So we have the most sales, right? We have the most sales, which is which is common, but obviously the GTA takes a big chunk as well. And that's the difference, guys. Average price versus benchmark price. Okay, moving on. We're going to talk about luxury. We don't talk about luxury all that much, and they often come out from these unique reports. In fact, the Canadian luxury real estate brand released its mid-year 2020 report on Wednesday. Okay, so we're going to talk about what exactly is happening in the luxury segment. Now, what exactly describes luxury? Now, they looked at 
five markets halifax montreal ottawa toronto and vancouver this is where we have typically luxury real estate in canada and they mapped it by under 1 million 1 to f- one, 1 to 4 million and over 4 million on mls right and this is how we kind of map this out the report says april was marked with quote generational lows and that home sales activity fell a record of 56% not all that different from what we've seen everywhere else Now, how did they fare? Like, how did prices hold up? Well, when we look at the national sales, they dropped at 57.6%, but very much like the other market segments we've seen, the other other dollar amounts we've seen, they actually had listed homes across Canada decline 55% too. So they actually brought listings back. So it lines up very similar to the rest of the market where they were able to maintain balance. They had a solid balance, which has kept prices very strong during the pandemic. But that's not the end of the story, right? Because that's that's a few months ago now. Despite these declines, prices held in most markets through the pandemic and national sales rebounded in May by a record 56%. Again, lines up with the rest of the market. And when we're dealing with million dollar home, you know, a 15, 20% increase, that's a little bit more than a $500,000 condo. <laughs> and they amounted to one third of the return of the activity lost from February and April just in May alone. What's more, the number of new listings across the country climbed by a record 69% in May. By June, home prices returned to pre-pandemic levels. In other words, we deals are gone. <laughs> deals are bought up. They still wasn't enough to meet pent-up buyer demand because the luxury real estate brand noted specifically saw 30% year-over-year increase in closed sales volume and 28% year-over-year increase in average sales. So not only did we catch up in two months, We have overshot annually, year over year, in sales, 30%. That's incredible. (laughs) On a local level, the report showed that sales of homes in townhomes accelerated in June, while the condo slowdown presented a temporary buying opportunity in Toronto's downtown core. We're going to talk about that buying opportunity in a later article because you might not be looking in the luxury segment, but that doesn't mean there's not deals for you coming, okay? Residential home prices were up. Here's the total, 11.9% year over year. There you go. That's luxury. I'd like 11% increase on a million dollar house. Let's do it. And average sales prices were also up substantially by 7.8% month over month, signaling a revival in higher price point segments in the GTA. Is it any mystery that luxury is doing well? I mean, who is most affected by COVID? It's the people who are losing their job, people that are going to rely on government support. Right, people who are disproportionately already affected and marginalized are being the, are the ones that we have seen mathematically to be impacted by COVID. And if you've got a $4 million house and you're going to sell it this spring, well, whoop the freaking do. I'm going to wait a year. <laughs> In fact, I'm going to buy myself another $4 million house and then I'm going to sit on both. Right. And we are the luxury capital of Canada as far as last I heard. So why would you, why would you liquidate? Despite a mid Q2 pause, Toronto's popularity among domestic and international migrants is keeping the market on firm ground. Anthony Hitt, president of CEO agrees with me. And he says this, that he's seen a trend towards cottage country and the suburbs, which is creating a temporary buying opportunity within the urban condo market as people prioritize properties with more space. I've said this, and now I'm hearing other people say it too. If everyone is going to flee, if everyone's going to run away from those condos and they're going to take a big hit, well, where do you want, where do you want to buy? Where is there a deal? Okay. Whether you want to buy a condo or not, that's regardless. Let's say you're open to buying a condo. 
that's where we're going to see the best deals. Before we get into our last topic, just a highlight that I saw, I don't get into commercial real estate too much, but office subleases are flooding the market. And they say in a report that only one large new downtown lease was signed during the second quarter. So almost a standstill for office subleases. And some people say that they should be one of the more safe areas of commercial right now as opposed to retail, which is getting spanked. And they saw, however, in downtown rates rise by 7%. So what they're saying is if you're considering getting an office space, that the GTA's northeast suburban office market could benefit you because there's cheaper rent and lower density and allows you den- uh, for distancing. But downtown Toronto apparently still remains a landlord's market. Let's see. Let's see. Just thought I'd give you guys an update on what's happening there before we get into the reopening. <laughs> All right. I, I, I didn't know what to title this, okay? Because there's a few, there's actually two really big points you need to know as investors here locally. They should say, I really should have changed it to sinking. <laughs> Why are the emergency order extensions shrinking, right? Tie the, tie the weight around your feet, toss them in the water, okay? So what is going on with these extensions? I've, I've been kind of mapping it out for the last couple of weeks because they extend, they've been extending them two weeks by two weeks by two weeks. And then... It, as more of a kind of passing comment last week, I was saying, you know what? They only extended it 12 days. That's a little peculiar. Like, why would we not extend it 14 days? Well, they just extended it again, but they didn't extend it 14 or 12 days. They've extended it for seven days. So we are seeing the extensions of emergency orders, which nobody's really discussing why that is or how that lines up with real estate. Maybe that's just because that's the way we're thinking around here. But Ontario is extending its emergency orders until July 29th. In other words, they're not pushing it until August. Could there be a sinister plan that on July 29th, doors reopen, and by August 1st, those applications for evictions take place? I think that's really pushing it. I don't know anymore. My, my odds of that are getting smaller, but I find it very interesting that they are extending it shorter by shorter. And we know on July 7th, the province introduced a bill called the Reopening Ontario Act, right? And it will to ensure that the measures related to the emergency would stay in place even after the emergency declaration ends. So why are we even extending the declaration? Like, really? Like, if we can just do what it is, why are we even in there, really? So I think this is why we're winding it down. Ford said on Tuesday, the province health officials are working on a strategy to handle a second wave should one hit the province and we'll release the plan, quote, shortly. So hopefully we're going to hear some kind of plan. It might even line up with that 29th date. We'll see. On what would a second wave mean for our city? That would, if anything, boost, right? Boost comfort levels of people. I don't know. It's it's such a mystery on how this disease works. Is it a disease? I guess it's a disease. <laughs> I don't know what the health of the immunologists call it. I don't know. All I do, I just look at real estate. <laughs> okay, extended one week, right? Last time around it was two weeks. So why it matters? The other thing to keep in mind is they've made they've made it into law that the moment the evic- the emergency ends, evictions can take place the month following, which is why to me it's very interesting they positioned it. So let's see. Let's see. Keep your finger on the pulse. Keep an eye on it. And let's see if they extend it into August. If so, you renters, you got one more free month. Enjoy your stay. <laughs> CBC.ca. This is the second part of the reopening. That This is why I didn't know what to title this. But it's the idea of as we reopening, what are some of the key things we need to pay attention to? This should have been bigger news. It came, So there's funding that has now been given to the province and territories. That's what stole the show, that article. There's a 19 billion dollars for the quote safe restart of the economy okay so trudeau they pledged 14 billion dollars 
And many premiers are saying, say that amount was not nearly enough to cover their needs in the, at the provincial level. And apparently, according to Doug Ford, he's okay with it because we're getting a huge chunk of that. We'll talk about those numbers in a second. But the funding has designated areas, right? So it'll be things like testing and tracing, $4.2 billion, purchase of PPE, protective equipment, $4.5 billion, and for the frontline workers, $625 million towards childcare spaces so parents can get back to work. We're really trying to get those kids back in the childcare. And the federal government will put $2 billion towards operating costs of cities. Wait a minute. Why is that so far down the list? Listen to this, guys. This, to me, is more interesting than the provincial money. I don't care about province and feds because they can run deficits and they do. They're going to do it anyways. But the municipalities are tight, including the city of Toronto, who is very tight. So listen to this. The federal government will put up $2 billion. Okay, so there's $2 billion. So what's our number, by the way? 10 to $15 billion. That's our target. That's what the municipalities have asked for. Okay, so we're at $2 billion, but then they're going to ask the provinces to match that amount with their own funds. Okay, so we're at $4 billion. Okay, the feds will also match any new funding the provinces and municipalities put towards public transit up to $1.8 billion. So we're going to need to you know, we're going to need to put more money. Hopefully we get that $1.8 billion. So that puts us at just around $6 billion overall out of 10 to 15. So we're still shy, but that is a huge help, <laughs> especially when we're, we're staring down the barrel of a shotgun of paying double digit property taxes here in Toronto. And I did briefly see, I don't have it here, but I briefly saw Tory was thrilled. He was very happy. And had I not seen his post, I might not have even caught that they were supporting municipalities. It's on the hush hush it's secret, secret business. I had to take that eye patch off and look at two eyes here to figure that out, right? Because everyone is blinded by the headlines of the provincial funding. But the municipality one, in my book, is the bigger deal. Now, Doug Ford did say related to the province, we're going to get $7 billion of that total, guys. He obviously praises the deal because we're getting a huge chunk. In fact, BC only got $2 billion, right? And But when we look at municipalities, obviously, there's still a shortfall. Let's see if it gets filled. But at this point, I'm relatively satisfied. We've seen... Other cities, and recently we saw Mississauga, they didn't really threaten major property tax increases, and hopefully Toronto doesn't either. Hopefully we stop that push and we figure it out. Trim the fat. <laughs> Trim the fat. And the other thing that they mentioned was that they're going to restrict border crossing from the U.S.-Canada border. Thank you for that. Until August, right? Further into August. Let's see if it keeps going. Probably will. But anyways, I'm going to get back to work. I got a long, busy day ahead of me, and I hope you guys have a wonderful day. In the meantime, don't rock the boat with your neighbors. I'll see you next time. Take care and keep it real.